Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast here on a uh, Florida State bye week, and I, I, certainly an interesting one without the Knowles playing a lot of uh, head-scratching games around the country this week with Georgia and LSU and uh, plenty of others, whatever that was that USC put on the field against Colorado and Dion. Um, I, a lot to unpack in what happened yesterday. We're sitting here recording this during what I guess is the Taylor Swift Bowl, Sunday Night Football, is, is really, that's it. And we've got uh, the game on and lots of, Taylor Swift shots happening. So, you know, there's that. Welcome in. It's Seminole Rap, Brian Pellerin, Ben Myers, and John Marchant. Um, guys, I want to kind of take this. We'll talk a little bit ACC championship picture because, like I mentioned, um, a lot of weird football this weekend. And if you didn't include Friday, I think it was kind of important. Louisville looks to be a real contender for that shot. We were kind of talking beforehand about schedules there, and, and there's not much there. So it looks like a four-dog race. To get to that last championship spot with Clemson now kind of seemingly on the outside as maybe that fifth dog if a lot of teams trip up. Um, so plenty to talk about there. And then, of course, the national picture. I think there's some to talk about there with the way Georgia performed. But I do want to go straight to Florida State. It's a bye week. You've got a chance to breathe and think about the four weeks that were. Um, John, you seem to typically be the emotional one around here and, and uh, <laughs> have the best insights. So I'll go your way first, man. Uh, what do you grade the start for Florida State now with a, a week of hindsight to breathe and let it go? I feel like we've been maybe a little negative, but um, no, it's hard to argue with. Well, yeah. I mean, I, look, I, I'm going to give them B plus. I know some people on Tom Nation think you can't go less than an A minus, and I, I get it. You know, you're 4-0. You, you had a great September, better than, you know, as, as you could possibly do. But I do think there's a lot of issues and a lot of flaws with this team that that are worth pointing out. And I hope they use this time wisely and get them fixed. Yeah, the running game certainly one of those points. Ben, where, what about you, man? I Again, undefeated, it, it's just – I feel like we've been negative, so I want to give some some positivity. <laughs> uh, ooh. Well, I'm going to give them a B, actually. I was kind of leaning between a B plus and a B, and, and I feel like that's – like, like people are going to hear that and think it's a very negative B. Um, I think it's it's more so just the standard that Florida State has set for itself and the way that they're trending right now. You know, I think if they were 4-0 and they had, they had had a game like they had against LSU last week, um, I'd be putting them at a B-plus or an A-minus. I think college football is a lot about momentum, and right now their momentum's kind of um, – I don't know. It's, it's just not headed in the right direction. Now, it could head that way but it's just not headed that way right now. So, um, you know, 4-0 is great. I think 
now that we've got a better chance to take a look at this team, this was kind of the expectation. But like like you guys mentioned already, I think there's still a lot more room for growth in areas where they're just a little too weak, um, given kind of what we know about this team and what we think the ceiling can be. Yeah, it's funny. I I took the bye week and I started going through the questions and, and the roundtable we kind of mentioned where I pulled this question from. And um, I went A minus because as I kind of sat around, I was like, you thought they'd go three and one. Um, you thought they'd probably lose to LSU. And I do think that game in reflecting on it was probably closer than the final score was. Uh, it, it really kind of got out of hand at the start of the fourth there. Um, but that was what we wanted to see. We wanted to see them close. And that's where it becomes disappointing in the following games that they haven't. Um, but what I wrote here in, in the article and, and what I think is my overarching point for this team is the big question on how to grade you is who did you lose to? And at this point, there's nobody in that category. And I can't I can't fault them for, for winning not well enough. You know, and, and when I look around and I see Georgia play terrible first halves every week, and I have no confidence in our quarterback to do literally anything. Uh, Michigan just seems like the same team as last year that I just imagine isn't going to come through when they need to. Ohio State has no confidence in their quarterback. Um, Texas is probably the best team that I've seen play so far. But um, when I look around, I just feel like my confidence level in the what Florida State has put on the field is higher the more I got to sit around and watch everyone else this week and, and and see like, okay, everybody's flawed. Everybody's putting bad games out there. And I don't think in the grand scheme of things, Florida States were, were maybe as bad. I mean, that Boston college collapse was a collapse, but they played well enough through three quarters to be up by a lot. And I don't know. I was just trying to draw like, you know, at the end of the day, they've won. And that's more than I had anticipated coming in. And they're set up perfectly coming out of a bye. You get Jordan healthy um, an extra week to rest. And maybe he looks a little more like himself. Maybe you can figure out something with the line and, and the running game takes off. Uh, defense is obviously a little scary because I'm not sure what to do there. But maybe just turning up the blitz was was kind of the answer what they did with Clemson. Yeah, I, well, for me, I... <laughs> I almost think you have to break it in the first two games, right? If you had asked me this question, great FSU after LSU and Southern Miss, I'd say an A, right? They looked incredible. They got tons of backups time against Southern Miss, but then it's the Boston College and the Clemson games. And I think that this team was not playing up to their potential of what they're capable of. And, and again, to, to kind of go back to something Ben said is it, where I guess I differ is um, with you guys maybe is it's not so much that you haven't lost. It's, it's almost like a curve, right? You want Florida State, the goal is to win a national title, right? Whatever, however realistic that might be. And the minimum is win the ACC. So for me, it's, you know, are they maximizing their potential? Are they, how close are they to being the team that they're capable of being? And against Boston College and Clemson, I, I just thought that it was more like a C effort, right? So I give them A for the first two games, more like a C. I was kind of averaging out into a B plus. So it does kind of lean more towards, I think, you know, this team is capable of being dominant. Uh, and again, I think their schedule breaks a little bit more favorably as, as you know, for the rest of the way out. But I, I don't know. I just think there's serious flaws. And it's a great point, Brian, about everybody just looks okay, right? Nobody's dominant like Georgia was last year. Everybody looks beatable, including Florida State. Yeah. And I know that does make it feel like it increases Florida State's chances. But at the same time, it makes me feel like FSU could – maybe they could lose to almost anybody on this schedule. 
right? So I, I go back and forth with it day to day, honestly, about how I feel about what they're going to do. I don't know. I We'll see if they take care of business against Virginia Tech, right? Uh, I think that will go a long way to maybe settling you know, my nervousness. It feels very glass empty, half empty, half full, depending on which side of the room you're standing on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I think I want to go back to something John just said about the effort. I think, to me, the most concerning thing beyond effort is really execution. There's just a failure of execution on offense and defense in ways that you know, we just hadn't quite seen from this Florida State team going back to the end of last year. Now, these are obviously two different teams, but with how FSU ended last season, you hope they would have carried their momentum in a certain way. You know, I'm not trying to peg them down because they are undefeated. But ultimately, when, you know, you're kind of you're just not trending the right way. And you guys are right. There are a lot of teams that are kind of going up and down in terms of trending right now, right? There's, I mean, Texas is on the up right now, but a lot of the teams above Florida State in the rankings right now, yeah, Michigan's looked really good, but who have they played so far? Georgia just had a, a really close game against Auburn. So I, I think, you know, if you look around that top 10, top 12 area, there's a lot of teams that are kind of going through their own growing pains. But for Florida State, the way they've kind of carried their momentum, I just don't like the way they're going because I do think, you know, going back to what we've been saying in the preseason, my biggest worry for them had always been not that they're going to be outclassed by any team, but rather they'll have a few injuries. They'll kind of run into a week where they hit the right team at the right time with the right circumstances, just like we saw last season. So I still am going to predict them to go undefeated the rest of the way, but Jordan Travis is coming off an injury. Where is he at with that? That is going to be huge for the rest of the season. And quite honestly, if you're Mike Norvell and you're still worried about that injury, you try and get him out of this next game against Virginia Tech as soon as possible because that can really determine your season. If you can get him half a game of rest and this bye week and really set up the rest of the schedule for, for them to be successful and get into the offense that we know they can be, you know that's what I think they need to do this weekend. So I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, even though I just did. But um, <laughs> I, I think... This team is just not heading in the direction that you would hope they would be, you know, considering what we saw week one, week two, and what we saw towards the tail end of last season. Yeah, I guess the the way you'd have to grade it at this point. Oh, Jesus. <clears throat> Sorry, man. I'm still fighting this cold. The uh, the way I had to grade it is almost like in grade school where it's like, yeah, you have the right answers, but your, your work maybe isn't so great. If you if you kind of look in like the show your work portion, it's maybe that's where you find the flaws. <laughs> Um, but the answers are right. And, and you know, I, I guess that's where I, after the bye week, I kind of take the deep breath and go, okay, they're four and oh, the schedule kind of like you mentioned sets up well. I mean, you have Virginia Tech first, um, and you should have the chance to rest Jordan fairly early because, um, I mean, Virginia Tech's averaging a hundred and almost 180 yards rushing allowed a game. Um, you should be able to run the ball. And I hope you went into the bye week and tried to figure out what was wrong there. Um, so, I mean, it is a perfect game to come out with and hope you can figure out where it is you're struggling, where it is you don't, you know, what what it is you're missing. Your flaws are you can't run the ball and you're having trouble getting off the field on defense. Um, Virginia Tech's kind of the perfect team to play coming out of it to do that. Uh, and kind of it, it's a it's a great get right game against an ACC team. Yeah, yeah I think it's hard it, to argue it, that. 
Yeah, oh, no, totally. Uh, I, I think it could be the perfect kind of like confidence booster. Honestly, I think that's one of the things this team like just doesn't feel like they have that same confidence. So, you know, Virginia Tech's kind of that perfect opportunity for defense and that coverage unit to, to get rolling. It shouldn't be a, too hard of a matchup for them. John, I, you got cut off. I was making sure you didn't have anything there. No, I got nothing. I, I mean, I, <laughs> look, I'm going to be upset if they don't come out and roll over uh, over Virginia Tech, right? Uh, it is the absolutely the perfect kind of get right game. Uh, you actually, you know, if, and it was interesting to see Clemson not struggle really with Syracuse at all. So, so that I thought that was interesting. Um, so you might have a couple, uh, and I know the Duke game's coming up. We'll we'll talk about that in a second. But you kind of have a couple games where you know maybe you really shouldn't struggle that much, right? So I think this is the perfect kind of. You're coming off a bye week. You had a couple of weeks to get some things figured out. Whether you're shuffling the offensive line, maybe taking a second look at how you're how you're doing defense. If you come out and struggle against Virginia Tech, who you're what multi multi touchdown favorite against. I mean, I think the concerns turn into, you know, warning, like alarms, right? But if you come out and you roll against Virginia Tech and you win by, so four, five, six touchdowns, you know, I might start to say they're going to roll the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, your schedule, again, I'll just jump right to it now. It it sets up for the month of October to be fairly easy especially with what happened to duke this week um i mean let's just go through it you have virginia tech first this weekend like we talked about it's a, it's a abc 330 game um you're at home i just feel like you should be able to handle this fairly easy they did beat Pitt earlier this year or, or last week i i feel like okay that's maybe a good win for them um but outside of that they've been pretty poor um nothing that should be at florida state's level you get syracuse next week which john you just mentioned clemson made pretty light work of um, the defense, especially Schrader had a couple of bad passes that linebackers made great plays on um, Duke uh, the week after that. Um, John, you you had an update on, on, on Riley Leonard, kind of what the reporting was out today on what's going on with him, because he got hurt on the la- on what is mounts to the last play against Notre Dame. Yeah, and that was a pretty brutal gut punch of a loss for Duke. I mean, not only you lose a game like that, but then Riley Leonard goes down and it looks like I mean, I thought immediately he broke his his ankle maybe even blew out his knee and you hear oh he you know did, he didn't want to ride the car back to locker room insisted on using crutches and turns out maybe he's not done for the season right maybe it's just a high ankle sprain uh i think i was talking to ben right before we started right there's no timetable for that return uh but you gotta imagine he'll be out at least a couple of weeks with florida state's luck about how the star players always seem to come back against fsu i'm just gonna assume he plays but in three weeks if this high ankle sprain is as bad as it looked how effective is he, right? Uh, I thought against Notre Dame especially, which is maybe one of the best, you know, besides Clemson, he he likes to run a lot, right? It's extending the plays, taking off part of his feet. game. Right. And if you take that away, especially if that's the kind of quarterback Florida State struggles with, that's why we talked before last week, was so concerned about that game. Now you're maybe not quite as concerned about it, right, Ben? Yeah, I, I don't think you're as concerned about that game. I think, you know, we discussed this beforehand. Unless Riley Leonard comes back and is at 85-plus percent, 80%, you know, in terms of his health and his ankle, um, I, I just think that's going to be a tough game for Duke. Now, I think they have shown to, you know, protect him really well in the passing game. So, I you know, they, they have some NFL offensive linemen in the future. Um, I, I think – 
man, I'm, this, this game just really bums me out now. I was really excited <laughs> to, to see a fun ben, match. Ben's Blue Devils. Um, I mean, you know, I, to me, it's, it's so funny, right? Cause Duke basketball is maybe the most hateable team ever, but for me, and I feel like for a lot of people, Duke football has become kind of this lovable sort of underdog. And, and, uh, now they are, are going to be without Riley Leonard for who knows how long. I mean, like, like you just mentioned, John, he he'll probably come back against Florida state. Cause that's kind of just what happens against Florida state. Um, but he's certainly not the threat and, and nor is Duke that they were, this time last week. Um, so I think, you know, if you would ask me last week, I still would have stuck with them as the biggest competition or roadblock in Florida state's way this season. Um, but obviously without Riley Leonard or with him compromised, um, that changes a lot. And it's interesting because looking at their schedule, they Duke does have a buy this week. Um, so there is no, you know, pressure to do anything with him this week. Next week it is NC state for them. And then the week after is that Florida state game. Um, so I, 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 I just can't imagine he's back against NC State. I have a hard time believing he's back for Florida State. Just it just feels too soon. But I mean, again, that's even if he plays, what what does he look like, and what can you do with him? Because if you can't do rollouts, if he can't extend plays, he is a duck in the pocket that just has to get rid of the ball quickly. Because he takes a shot, he could risk much further re-injury. Um, that allows you to just be more aggressive. It, it just makes that game a lot easier without him. Um, and then to close out the month, the last team for Florida State is Wake Forest, um, which I don't I don't imagine that feel like Wake Forest has done anything this season to impress me in any way, shape, or form. Um, they have wins over Vandy. They just lost to Georgia Tech uh, last week, not like a day ago, but like two weeks ago. They were off this week as well. Uh, they have Clemson coming up. Um, I guess we'll see how they look then. Um, but there's really nothing here. I mean, a three-point win over Old Dominion, that, that's really it. Um, I beat Elon, I guess. There's just nothing there to make me think like Wake Forest is a game that should matter for Florida State. It just, October sets up great for you, and, and it feels like you should be 8-0 heading into November, which is where we wanted the season to be. Yeah, and I think, you know, when when you're talking about you know, earlier we we're talking about the rest of college football landscape right now. A lot of those big dogs at the top, the top seven, the top eight haven't quite taken each other out yet. Right. So I think with some of those dominoes that could be falling, I mean, Texas is going to be playing Oklahoma this upcoming week. That's a, a really big game for them. Um, a game they certainly never lose. The Texas never loses that game. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just think the way things break for Florida State, you know, they could really just roll through October, have a lot of confidence going into November at Miami or against Miami, against Pitt. Um, those will be two big games. I, I know we're going to get to those in a sec, but like I said, I think if you look at the rest of the landscape, the rest of the ACC, um, it could, just gives you more of an opportunity for more things to break your way and to be really set up for success at that most crucial stretch of the season. When I think I, I, I want to take this next and, and, I guess, to broaden it out from just Florida State, because I, I feel like we all kind of agree at this point, you've had a good to to great start to the year, not an elite start to the year, but good to great. Um, you should be able to go 4-0 and through October. You get into November, and the schedule itself there isn't particularly hard either. You, you have Pitt. Miami is going to be a probably hard game the way it's shaping up. North Alabama, which feels kind of like the nothing game in there. The, the road trip to Pitt could be something. And then the road trip to Gainesville that seems to constantly be a thing, even though Florida just gave up like 475,000 rushing yards this week. Um, 
your schedule sets up where I think at most you have a loss uh, by the end of the year. And the question becomes, of course, where does it fall and, and those sorts of things. I just don't see two losses in what's left. Um, but we noted something pretty interesting in the way the ACC here is is setting up. John, you mentioned no no divisions this year. Important to note. Um, so it is just going to be the top two teams in the ACC standings. Right now, there are one, two, three, four, five. Is it six undefeated teams? Yeah, six undefeated teams. Louisville's at the top, three and zero in conference. Florida State next, two and zero in conference. Three one and zero teams. UNC, Duke, who we imagine is going to be here, taking some some losses. Um, if Riley is not ready to go, which would be probably NC State, and then again LSU, although NC State or uh, FSU, but I, I can't imagine NC State looks that great either. They continue to look kind of rough with Brennan Armstrong turning the ball over every play. And the sixth team is Miami at zero and zero in conference. They finished the first month without playing a conference game. Um, we were checking schedules, and it sure feels like a, a essentially a four team race here: um, Louisville, Florida State, UNC, and Miami. Because the only team that plays the others is is Miami. UNC is independent. Uh, Florida State is independent. UNC is independent. They do not play each other at all. Um, so I, I guess it comes down to who you beat and, and kind of the way this thing puzzles out. I, I'm curious. I don't think Louisville is that good. They're, they're pretty good. I wouldn't say great, but, uh, the schedule just sets up really easy for the rest of them. Ben, I know, I know Duke was, was kind of your love here, but do you have a, a another team you see here maybe as the most likely to break out of this? It just feels like it's Miami's to decide. Yeah. I mean, I think. UNC is a team I, I still really believe in. I think when you have that high level of a quarterback, even with, I mean, I, I want to pull up their schedule, but, you know, I I think UNC is a really dangerous team. And I think they're the exact type of team that would give Florida State the most trouble in the ACC championship. I mean, maybe that's Miami, but you're going to play Miami in the regular season. So I think, you know, for if Florida State is gunning for that playoff and it's between five teams, which right now that top five is kind of just between five teams, um, you know, I think the more good wins you have, the better. So if you're playing Louisville in that conference championship game, I don't really know what that does for Florida State. I think if you're a Florida State fan right now and you're assuming that we're winning out, you're hoping that UNC makes it and that they're pretty unscathed by then and that they have a pretty high ranking and then that helps you out even more. So I think that's kind of what where my head's at with all this conference play. I think Florida State's going to roll. I think the way their schedule sets up, Miami is the only game that I'm even contemplating them losing. Um, but you know, I think they'll still win that game. So I, I think that conference championship game could do a lot for those top five rankings. Yeah, for me, I think um, the big question is, will, you know, what we've been talking about is will Florida State stumble in the next five games, right? Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Duke, Wake, and Pitt. They should win all five, be 9-0, right? Going into the game uh, against Miami at home in Tallahassee. But number one question is, do they stumble? As far as the ACC is concerned, I think that question, like like what Brian was saying, is how good is Miami, right? Like, I mean, they have a decent, what looks like a decent win against Texas A&M. But other than that, they played Miami of Ohio, Bethune-Cookman, and Temple. And then they got they got a bye week, right? And they're going to play Georgia Tech. But, I, I again, I thought, like Brian said, the way that this whole thing is set up is very interesting, right? So Louisville will play Notre Dame and Miami. Right, those are the two biggest remaining games for the ACC. 
Uh, North Carolina is going to play Miami and Clemson, right? Is interesting like that. And then Miami plays everybody. They're going to play North Carolina, then Clemson, uh, a couple weeks later, Florida State, and then right after that, Louisville. So, yeah, it's very interesting that Miami has the toughest schedule remaining, in my opinion, right, in the ACC. And we're going to find out just how good they are. And I thought it was interesting that Bill Connolly's S&P Plus, right, metrics came out this morning. And it was very a weird dynamic where he he had the probability that Miami goes undefeated higher than Florida State, right? That Miami has a better chance of going 12-0 than Florida State does. But at the same time, he had Florida State with better odds to win the conference. So a very, very weird, interesting dynamic, especially because Miami has, you know, the tougher schedule going forward, in my opinion. It's obvious, I think, S&P Plus, his, his metric likes Miami more than Florida State. Uh, but at the same time, you know, and I know those are opponent-adjusted, but Miami hasn't played anybody except for Texas A&M, who looked horrible to start the year. So I, it's going to be very, very interesting. I agree with, with Brian. It's a four-team race. I think it could come to any one of these teams, honestly. And it's also very interesting because, like we talked about, there's no divisions. So it's going to be the top two teams, and it could be some weird combinations that come out. Like before the season, we thought, you know, Louisville's not going to do anything this year. And then, I mean, I know their schedule is very soft, but it's been surprising that that they're still undefeated at this point. I think it's just crazy to look at um, because, like, I don't – I don't think it's possible, but it's it's or I guess I should say I don't think it's likely, but it's possible that Florida State wins the next five. Potentially, let's just say they lose to this Miami game and and there's a world where they don't make the ACC championship game. Because because in, in that same scenario, you can have, say, Louisville win out. They beat Miami. Miami's that's their only loss. And you lose one game and you miss the... It's very... It's very interesting the way it plays out. Like, even though they're good and the schedule sets up very easy, um, it just feels like one slip-up in that one game could be so costly. I, I mean, I don't think Louisville is good enough to run the table. I think they have a lot of very explosive players. NC State just gave you the blueprint on how to bottle them up. Um but they can score pretty well and that'll play against a lot of these ACC teams. That'll play against uh, North Carolina who doesn't even play anyway. Um, it's just, it's a really gross way for the schedule to play out. And that, that the four teams who have the best chance really don't, I mean, I guess the three that have the best chance don't play each other. And the fourth team that has the next best chance gets to play all three and kind of decide who gets there. They can just have the tiebreaker over anyone. Poor Clemson feels so bad for them on the outside. They're screwed. They're done. I mean, it's just crazy. Well, they're right. <laughs> well, right, and I mean, they're still good enough. Like Clemson's still a good team. They have a ton of talent on that defense. They can play spoil, you know, to a bunch of a couple of teams that we're, we've been talking about. I, you know what though, I do think we're going to find out relatively early, maybe because Louisville again has to play Notre Dame this weekend, right? The coming up October seventh. But you know, and while North Carolina has Syracuse the week after, they're going to play Miami. So we're going to get a couple. I mean, this it's about to start happening, right? And I think we're going to find out real quickly just how good. Some of these teams really are. Yeah, September kind of sets up, you know, to, for some pretenders to rise. October kind of decides who the real contenders are, and then November decides who's the real teams that belong. Um, who are the contenders who can actually get the job done? So, I mean, yeah, there's some teams that are inflated here. Like, I, I don't think Louisville's quite that good. I, I, I have my doubts on the way North Carolina plays, but to Ben's point, they have one of the best quarterbacks in the country, so... That plays in college football 99 <laughs> times out of 100. 
Yeah, I mean, when you don't have a, a good team around that quarterback, you know, it's like like what we're seeing with Riley Leonard, this team. I mean, that Duke team isn't awful, but Riley Leonard has made that team magic and Drake May has made UNC magic. So, um, yeah, things just kind of have to break a certain way. One thing I just want to know really quickly is, is Miami's schedule prior to FSU. They have to play. Well, I, I don't know. I think we've sort of con- gone over who they have to play, but in the order they play UNC, then Clemson, and then you know they have a, f- a few games against Virginia and NC State. But um, Miami's fate could be decided by the time they have to play FSU. So I think there's, you know, to your point, there's still a lot of things to to play out, and uh, kind of this is going to be the month to decide it. You know, it's nuts if, like, and, and it doesn't happen this way, but Clemson, let's say Clemson beats Miami and then Clemson runs, and then Miami runs their table the rest of the way. And then they're all sitting there with one loss, with a loss to Miami. And then we're doing some kind of convoluted math to figure out which of Louisville, UNC, and Florida State makes the ACC championship game. That'd be so stupid. That's me. It's so perfectly ACC. I just don't know how else <laughs> to say it. I mean, they're like, hey, let's just not do divisions, but also no one plays each other. Well, that's what would irritate me the most, right? If you're Florida State and you're supposed to, I mean, if they're for the taking and you slip up one game against something, someone dumb and you lose. And then at the end here, you're just like, oh, well, you know, we have to beat this team and hope that this team beats this other team. And I don't want to be playing that game, right? That's going to drive me nuts. So, uh, yeah, but that, you're right. The This ACC wheel of destiny, like the Coastal is now infected because there's, the Coastal doesn't exist anymore. The Coastal's it's infected whole, everyone. Yeah, it's just the whole conference is just spin the wheel and find out, you know, pure chaos. I guess that's the part that bothers me the most is Florida State doesn't have the opportunity to just do it on the field. Like, it's, and I don't even know what the tiebreaker is. I imagine the ACC is incentivized to have Florida State be there, but I'm sure the decisions on all that has already been made. There's not going to flip, a, they're not going to flip a coin and then it's a double sided head <laughs> coin that lands on Florida State. I mean, they shouldn't do whatever they could to get them there, but, um, it's just gross that you you know even I guess even running the table you can end up with a three way tie. It's it's just it's it's just so stupid. You know what would be even more fun is if we did a four way uh, playoff for the ACC. That would be that would be great. Let's do a two <laughs> two week tournament. I think honestly, Florida State should love that because I think they're the best team of the group fairly easily. But it's just but annoying that the other teams are not on your schedule. Yeah, but wouldn't that be a lot of fun? It'd just be a ton of fun. <laughs> we should do a twelve team playoff. That'd be great. <laughs> Um, one other thing I looked at here while we were talking was I thought the the national rankings were interesting because looking at them, um, obviously it's very early and, and a lot of this is going to change. But you've got one, two, three, four, five of the top 15 teams are from the Pac-12. Um, none of them have played each other outside of Washington State playing Oregon State once. Um, so all of them have to get shaken up and fall back. Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, I believe, play each other like every year. I know Michigan and Ohio State do. I don't know how Penn State factors in that. Again, they have to play each other and fall back. Um, same with Texas and, and the next best team in that division, in that conference, Oklahoma. And then if the ACC, you just have Georgia and Alabama. Um, again, the schedule is it's all set up to where you could take one loss, but you shouldn't. You're good enough to just win the games in front of you. It's a very odd year in college football, the way this is all mathed out. Um, it just sets up so well for Florida State if they just come out and play like they're capable. Yeah, Penn State plays both. So, I mean, yeah. out of those three teams, only one out of the Big Ten will come out, whoever wins, right? At least one team in the SEC will come out. It looks like maybe Alabama's got a couple things figured out. Yeah. Um, you know, LSU, quite surprisingly, 
like took a took a loss. So here, so here's my thing with LSU because I, I I could take it, and I was talking with Perry earlier about this. He was like, "What happened to to the defense?" Because you know it was a fight against Florida State. That was a a good game into the fourth, and then Florida State pulled away. Um, the biggest issue with them right now is they can't tackle to begin with, but they also can't cover in the secondary. Um, and a lot of that has to do with. Um, one of their safeties was diagnosed with a brain tumor um, after their second game. So he had to have a brain surgery and, and he's been in the hospital. And obviously, you know, football is the furthest thing from that. And I hope he recovers and everything. Um, but it just seems like they've had to put some young guys in that secondary who just aren't communicating because Ole Miss just ran crossers. I mean, it was like watching Wake Forest. Um, it was just. One guy runs left, one guy runs right, and just throw it to whichever one's open, and, and LSU just couldn't figure it out. Um, and then they would just line up and just run it down the middle. Um, once they, you know, couldn't get off the field for the first, you know, four hours of the game, it was just um, – I, I just don't think it's the same defense that Florida State played. So I think if you're sitting there and you're like, well, Ole Miss just ran all over him and threw all – I think it's just they're they're missing their captain, who's, you know, the guy calling the plays, and and they just look like a bunch of young guys who are lost. Right. And it wouldn't surprise me then after all of this, if it just turns out to be Georgia and Alabama again, right? In the SEC yeah, championship it, playing. It feels like it. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but you know how the SEC West is too. There's got a little bit of a coastal in it also. Um, so it's weird. And, you know, USC, they, they struggled against Colorado, almost let them come back in that game. So same thing as last year, their offense is uh, ridiculous, absurd, but their defense just is not good. Uh, Washington still looks good, but they haven't played anybody either. So, I, you know, it'll all, it'll all sort itself out. It's just, uh, I don't know. It could be, it could be absolutely wild. Uh, who knows? It seems wide open this year. Yeah. And that's the point that leads me back to when, when we talk Florida state and, and the, you know, grading them and that sort of thing. And it's just, all you have to do is win, right? Just if you find every week to go out there each week and you can just go one and oh, you're there. You know, if you're 11 and one, I have to think you're in the champ- you're in the playoff. I, I don't see a scenario where you go 11 and 1, 12 and 1 and you're not there. Just the way this maths out, I just don't see how you're not one of the four teams as an ACC champion. Like it's just it's there for you. I was maybe worried Notre Dame had a shot at it. They look kind of suspect. Took the loss to Ohio State, you know, they have a tough schedule going forward. USC, we mentioned um North Carolina, I think, is on there. Yeah, um, they've they've got a lot of those kind of games um, that could be tough. You know, they, they could easily pick up a second loss before they get out of the season, and then you're in that same spot. You know, it's just there's nothing blocking you. The path is there for you. Just go win. Just win, and that's and that's where I I want to kind of set the expectation going forward. I would love if they came out, figured it out, and looked like the offense we expected like the defense playing off of it, being more aggressive, challenging the offenses they're going against to score at that same rate and and be as efficient. But at the end of the day, I'm going to start grading this team on did you win the game first and foremost and hope it's pretty later. Although the schedule does set up for what should be pretty and wins. It should be both <laughs> for the first two weeks here, and then we'll see what Duke looks like. Yeah, I think Ben, it was you, right? That said uh a two loss team could win the title again, like like in two thousand seven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think things could certainly break a certain way where, where that's possible. I, I, I do have a little bit of a worry though of I, I I'm 
I'm I'm I'm almost there with you, Brian, that I think they could drop a game and, and make it. But there's also, I think, the scenario where you have five conference winners who are all worthy. I mean, the Pac-12 does look really good this year. I think Oregon, to me, if if Oregon runs the table, you know, I I I think between them, Georgia, who's ever coming out of the 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 Big Ten, you got Florida State, and then if Texas runs the table, you know, that's a frisky scenario that I'm not sure I want to f- find myself in if I'm Florida State. Maybe they still get in, but I I, I don't know if it's quite as, as much of a lock as, as what you're saying. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I think Florida State controls their own destiny. I'll, I'll put yeah. it to you that way. They, they control their own destiny. If they take care of business, if they do, they don't even have to play up to the standard that they've set themselves. But if they just like you mentioned, win the games in front of them, take it one week at a time and, and win the season. Um, they should be in the college football playoff. How about this before we before we get out of here? I'm going to have you guys. We've got the schedule in front of us. We talked about it. It's it's very clear. Win the games in front of you and, and take care of it. Obviously, we've made no bones about it. No secrets around here. Um, there were things they could do that were better to start the year. It's a bye week. You are... Mike Norvell, you had the opportunity to go into the bye week and decide what it is that you are focusing on fixing. John, I'll go to you first, because I did that already, and I, for some reason, (laughs) want to put you back on the spot first and foremost. You get to decide what it is that they fixed coming out of the bye week. What is the one thing you would like to see them come out of the bye week and have fixed? I'd say the running game. Right. I, I, I'm cool with it. If, if this team ends up being, you know, the defense is just kind of suspect. They're going to give up lots of explosive plays. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with putting the ball you know, in the game, right, or, or FSU season in the hands of Jordan Travis of this offense if they can figure the running game out. That that wouldn't bother me. Um, you know, again, and, and maybe that's, you know, I don't know if that's shuffling the offensive line or or whatever the case is. I, I would say, too, you know, I want to point out last thing is, you know, eight games left, right? Five of them are at home, right? And so far, Florida, I think Ben mentioned this, someone did, uh, Florida State's only had one game at home so far, right? In the, in the toughest stretch of the season. So I would expect, you know, the one game was Southern Miss, but it looked really good. So I would expect FSU to look better. Uh, but the thing I think I want them to fix more than anything else is that running game. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's kind of the direction I would have gone, but to be fun and because this is a podcast <laughs> on a different track. Um, the, the other thing I would really, really, really want to fix with this team is the coverage unit. And when I say fix, I don't, they don't need to be an all world coverage unit. That is not what I'm asking. Cause that's just not, not within the realm of possibility this year. Uh, but what they need to do is, is to get to just like average, right? If this coverage unit is just average, they become, I, I think overall, just that back end of the defense, if they they get better in coverage and are better at tackling, those are the kind of things that would have made the last few games that got a little too frisky, not quite so frisky. And that's how Florida State can really put away teams. And, I, you know, to me, that's if if the run game is what it is this year and they're able to just get to average with with the defense in terms of the tackling and the coverage unit, um, I, I think that would 
bring this Florida State team up to a, a national contender level that I think they're capable of. I think right now they're just a smidge below that for me. And I, I think if they played in the college football playoff, I don't think they could win two games in a row. I, I think as they're playing right now. But if that coverage unit improves, they get a little bit better at tackling. Um, I, I think this defense can be well good enough. I mean, they're they're really good situationally. Um, in some ways, not not so much in others. Um, and third down, of course, is always the thing that Florida State fans talk about with Adam Fuller. But Florida State's been a top 20 team in terms of red zone defense. So they've been really, really elite in some situations, not so elite in others. And, and I, I just think if they raise the bar a little, uh, that would make a huge difference going forward for them. Well, I think you guys have said option one and option two. Uh, and to steal a line from Ben, I'll go ahead and... Um use the uh this is a podcast so i have to say something interesting um but i do think the third option i want to bring up is easier passes um because i feel like they don't and we've talked about this a lot in the tomahawk nation chat they're just not using the middle of the field and and it's like everything is so hard in the passing game like, I get it. Keon is this huge, big body and can win on the outside. Johnny is a huge, big body and can win on the outside. You don't have to only do it where you're winning out on the outside. You can win over the middle. You can. I mean, you've seen that's where Boston College beat him to death. I mean, you, you don't you don't have to make it so hard on Jordan every play. Use more of the middle of the field. Get um, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Get a uh, bell more, more involved at the middle. Get Morlock involved more up the middle. I mean, you know, find a third receiver up the middle, maybe. I mean, just run somebody in that area. You know who's going to be hopefully coming back at some point soon is Kentron Portier. So, I, you know, I think they Florida State's offensive line and, and between missing Tron, I think there are some things that can go more their way. I think that's a really good point by you that in terms of the most realistic path moving forward, in terms of things that won't be so difficult for them to overcome in this bye week and totally figure out overnight. That's kind of the number one thing where you're like, Hey, these passes are available. The plays are there to be had. Florida state is just taking extremely high difficulty, high volatility passes down the sideline going after Johnny and Keon, like you just mentioned, Brian. I mean, that's a great point. So I think, yeah, I, I do think what you're saying is the most realistic path forward because we don't, we know Adam Fuller, unless he, completely changes from his tendencies over the last four years. We know he's not going to change his coverage scheme. That's not going to be changing. We know that Florida state, it just has a banged up offensive line and they're not moving people how they need to move people in that way. Um, yeah. I think the passing game is much more realistic and, you know, in terms of the offense we talk about, it'd be great if they could figure out the run game, but if they figure out that middle of that pass game, I think they can really reach, you know, the heights that we expected them to. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't need the run game if 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 you could just keep the offense, you know, consistent up on the chains, right? Keep it going, keep the offense on the field. I, I and that's the crazy thing too is I feel like this offense, as good as they've been, or you know, you can see say as much as they struggled, it's crazy that they get into lots of third and longs, but they've been really good at converting them, which is a thing that they couldn't do last year or the year before. And that could change, right? If they if they keep getting these long, third longs and then they stop being able to convert them at a ridiculously high rate like they've been, then this offense starts to look really bad really fast, right? 
So I, I agree with you, Ben. I mean, they got they got to start. And a lot of that's on Travis. I don't again, if your coverage rules are one on one, you know, on that fade, they keep running down the sideline and you're gonna take that every time. The thing is you don't take it every time, right? A lot was made out of that one play where um Toa Filu is open, right? In the flat, if he throws it, it's a first down. I think that was on fourth down or whatever it was. And it take the easy throw, get you know, keep the offense on the field. It's fine to take four or five yards. You don't have to go for the touchdown every play. I know it looks great. I know that game against LSU with Keon was so much fun, but you don't need that every play. Uh, the more important thing, especially if this defense will continue to struggle, right? It's actually better that the offense stays on the field more, gives that defense time to rest, or, or at least just keeps them off the field altogether. So, I, you know, I don't think – I think this offense is struggling with, with trying to go to the kill shot every play, or the touchdown play, and as much fun as the touchdown play always is, it's just – it's not – it's. It's not even 50-50 balls. They're not even catching it that much, right? If they were, we wouldn't be complaining as much, but they're not. So they got to do something. And and again, I know Virginia Tech, we, we need a lot out of it today. They they struggle a lot. And I would expect to get fixed. But that's the thing, too. If they come out right against Virginia Tech and they just keep throwing those fades again, like, like you're saying, Ben, and then they're not throwing that stuff over the middle, yeah, they could score a bunch of points and still win the game easily. I'd still going to have my concerns, right? You, oh, I know we're all going to sit here. It's to be like, this is not, I mean, we still, you're not going to beat Miami doing that. You're just not, right? Miami's better than we thought they were going to be. You're not going to win that game if, if you play like you did against uh, Boston College and Clemson. And, and I think part of that, too, is if you just go back to that LSU game, I, they weren't totally, you know, what what you're talking about, what I'm talking about, you know, in, in these last five minutes, but they were a lot closer to it. So I think you just need to get closer to attacking the middle of the field, taking taking you're just you're you're increasing the margin of error when you take those passes, you know, because they are a lot easier. There is less volatility with them. You're going to get yards after a catch. You're going to move the change. You're going to keep the ball moving. You're going to keep your defense off the field. So I, I think. You know, as great as and as flashy as some of those plays are, like you just talked about, when you really get to those games against Miami, if you have to play UNC in the conference championship game, those really tough games, you're going to come up against much, much better athletes, much better players. And when you're already not making those plays at the clip that you want to make them, and then you're trying to do that against better competition, that just kind of sets you up for failure. So I, you know, I, I think that's kind of what, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, John, but I think that's what we're both getting at is that you shouldn't be making it this hard on yourself. Right. That's exactly it. I think part of that is is Travis, you know, and it's almost like a, you're kind of trapped by your own success kind of thing, right? With with Keon and Johnny Wilson being so good, you're like, oh, I'm, we're going to get this every time. Well, it looks like defenses are giving that to you and it's just not working. And then you end up looking off schedule and just, you know, just disorganized. And, and you struggle to, to put points on the field because it, it should be disappointing how many, and I know Clemson has a good defense, right? Nate, Nate Wiggins for them is going to be a good NFL player, probably first round pick. Uh, Makuba is a great player, right? They got a bunch of guys studs on the defensive line. They're a really good unit still, but they kind of dominated you at certain points of the game. And I know you had a couple of scheme things like that. One touchdown Keon was great about how that play was designed, but overall you got beat and, you might get beat again, right? Especially like we're talking about if, if FSU is going to make the playoff, you're going to play against Georgia or Alabama or Ohio State or something like that. Like Ohio State is a great defense. You have to be better than what they've been so far. And and um, the other thing I want to point out, like you talked about, Ben, too, is Jaheim Bell, right? I think he's way underutilized, especially when you get into the red zone and then also in that short yardage area. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he's not 
Bowers from Georgia, but Bell is really good. And and you could use them in the way that that they're not really doing. So um, it, it is a little frustrating with the offense. I, I think they can do a lot of things that they're not doing. Oh, the other thing too, one of the best things that Keon gives you, it's not just his playability, but it's this fact that defenses will now pay attention to him. You can use him as a decoy to get other guys like Bell or Marlock or even Marquise and Douglas open, right? you got three good tight ends. It wouldn't be the worst thing to run some 12 or 13 personnel, right? Maybe only have just Keon or Johnny out there out wide and kind of throw out of these heavy set looks. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of bringing in tight ends just to run because I think it brings more defenders in and kind of clogs everything. But I think throwing out of heavy set looks is great and you got a good quarterback. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of different things they can do. And I think one thing, one dimension they're missing is using Keon as a, as a decoy. Um, so I, again, I'm looking for, I thought more Norvell would, you know, maybe introduce more wrinkles in the Clemson game. I was kind of disappointed that he didn't. Uh, but you got these five games where, you know, you're going to be favored by a lot. It'd be a good time to, you know, maybe throw a ton of stuff out there, give Miami almost too much film to look at, right? Too many things to prepare for. So there's a lot of different ways this could go. Um, but I agree with you on a lot of the issues. Yeah. They should try some stuff. I, I think you said it perfectly. Just mm-hmm. try some stuff. <laughs> your, your offense is too vanilla right now, in my opinion. Right. I agree. I like that offensive motto. Try stuff. <laughs> it, it does feel like they need to... Um... I guess just involve Bell in more ways. It it just feels the way they're using him is like, like I handed someone a Swiss Army knife and they were like, ooh, a knife. And it's like, yeah, but it does other stuff. And you're like, yeah, but it's a knife. And I, I just want you to like, like, like to just open it and be like, look at all the stuff it can do. And then just make teams just prepare for all the stuff it can do. You don't even have to give them the ball 20 times or 10 times. Just like move them all over the place and then make... Make him someone where like ESPN's going, well, there goes Jaheim Bell. He'll line up all over the place. He's a receiver <laughs> outside and look at him. He's in the backfield now. And like, just, you know, make them do weird stuff. Just, I don't know, even have to give them the ball that much. Just make them, make them move around. Well, I think that's what's so interesting about do stuff is I felt like, I think while I keep dancing around the way I'm trying to express this point is against Clemson, especially, but a lot of this season it just feels like FSU's offense is allowing the defense to dictate what they do, right? The defense is giving them those one-on-one shots, so Travis just keeps taking them. Instead of the offense dictating to the defense, we're going to run this, and you're not going to be able to stop us. That's a big thing that Ben said, too, the other week, is about execution. And, and I think if FSU executes, they could do what they want. I just think they're allowing defenses to, to dictate a little bit too much about what they're doing. Yeah, I I totally agree with that, that that Mike Norvell in the past with lesser personnel has taken it to defenses. And now this year it's the other way around, which doesn't make sense because you have all the personnel in the world that you could ever want. Right. I mean, Keon, Johnny, Jaheim, Morlock, Benson, Toa Philly, uh, Rodney Hill. I mean, they're so deep in terms of their skill group and in terms of the variety of skill sets within that group. So I think the fact that we haven't seen Mike Norvell get a little more creative and it's it, it it's just been a lot more vanilla even compared to last year when you pretty much only had johnny wilson and then what micah Pittman was kind of your other wide receiver option you know you had some others mixed in there but in terms of the consistency um you know they would try out much a lot of different stuff last year i think this year you would hope with all the variety of weapons they have that they would try things out and they just haven't yet Right. I think that's an important distinction, too, between 
being vanilla on offense and being one-dimensional because they've been one-dimensional. The run game hasn't been there, but you can still be very creative in the pass game. And we just really haven't seen too much of it. I mean, they've done a couple interesting recalls, like again, that one touchdown key on against Clemson. But for the most part, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it hasn't looked as, like you said, as multiple as I think I are, as I expected them to be. Yeah. And they looked, I, I, you know, they looked a lot more multiple with lesser personnel with Mike Norvell. That's the thing where it's like, like what's going on here, Mike, we, we know what you're capable of. So um, maybe it's something that, yeah, like, I, I think I was hoping going into that Clemson game, like, Hey, we're going to see some different stuff. And like you mentioned, there was that great scheme to play, but the thing with that play too, is that's, you know, what does that create in terms of long-term offensive stability and being able to really take it to defenses in a way that, you know, like we both mentioned, they just haven't. So I think that's where we want them to be multiples is, is so that they can win in multiple ways so that if teams do take away certain parts of this offense, that they can lean on those other avenues. And right now, I think they just, you know, to really be a great offense, like we kind of expect them to be, you would hope to see that. Right. Spark the best conversation right here at the end. Uh, anything else you guys want to mention before we get out of here on a bye week? I feel like we had some... Some pretty good insight. Excited to see what they actually turn around and and put on the field. Yeah, one one quick thing is um, injuries in terms of the offensive line and Jordan Travis. What does that look like this upcoming week? I mean, you know, against the teams they'll have to face, it shouldn't be too much of an issue. But um, I think by that Miami game or the game or two before, you just hope that offensive line looks a lot better. Um, they have the time to do it, though, so that's good. But you want to see them turn that around. Yeah, I think Ben, you're spot on. For me, it's not it's not just the offensive line. I think the thing I'm going to be looking at the most is exactly who starts, right? And whether that that lineup has shuffled, uh, whether Robert Scott's healthy enough to get in there, uh, Darius Washington, they bring him in. Uh, you know, somebody taking over Byers' spot, maybe moving Bless Harris. So I, I'm really interested to see what, if any, shuffling they do on the offensive line. Uh, I'd like to see them kind of find a better starting five that can actually move people in the run game. I think they've been worse there this season than last, and that might be the key. So uh, I think you're dead spot on with the the offensive line. And the first thing, the first thing right pre guy I'm going to be looking for is who's the starters on the offensive line. Have to think they get uh, a pretty good favorite here this week. Have to imagine that that they should be able to handle that and and kind of get off the field, get something established, and and feel pretty good about themselves going forward. Uh, I tried to pull it up, and right as I started to talk, my my feed here refreshed. So that's why you got a very awkward start, from Brian. There, it was he was right in front of him, then it disappeared. And so I don't have the number in front of me. I think Ben is furiously typing to try and find it while I stall. <laughs> To figure Minus, out how many points Florida is Florida State is 26 point favorites this weekend. Yeah, huge. I mean, that's that's almost the same number it was against Southern Miss. So, you know, you're supposed to beat them pretty badly. So come out and do it. Come out, look your best, and and you know, give us something next week to come on here to gloat about. Let's give them an A plus and let's get rolling in these last seven weeks of the season. I mean, look, we talked about it. We wanted a fun year. It's gonna be a fun year. I, I don't see how we go forward without it. This is this is what we wanted five weeks into the year. You're sitting in the top five. You're undefeated. Everything you want is in front of you. And the only thing stopping you is yourself at this point. So we'll see how next week turns out. That's when, of course, we'll break down the game for you and give you our thoughts on hopefully what has changed and, and what has improved going forward. Hopefully a few more easy throws. Hopefully a better looking running game. 
hopefully some better coverage. All the things that we just told Mike to go do his job and do. No, I'm kidding. He makes like $6 million a year or whatever he makes, right? He doesn't need us to tell us. I make like $4 off this thing. So appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for tuning in on a bye week. We'll be back next Sunday. Well, you get it on Monday, but it's fine. Uh, For a little post-Virginia Tech coverage. Appreciate you listening. That's a wrap. 